Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so do the many cool things to do. Come keep cool with amazing pools and the hottest nights at the coolest spots in Texas. Go to visitsanantonio.com slash summer. Thousands of in-depth, educational, and sometimes even life-changing videos by the world's greatest teachers and professors are yours to absorb. Choose from a ton of top quality courses available at thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. Sign up today and get a free month to their entire library. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Let me uh, repeat what I just said in some of this uh, intro here. It's helping you increase your emotional intelligence I say that so that you can be emotionally prepared and mentally prepared for anything that comes your way. I do believe that life presents us challenges that we're not always ready for, but we do our best to be ready for. So when a challenge comes along, you may not be ready for it. In fact, I think that's why it's called a challenge. (laughs) When the challenge comes along, you're probably not going to be ready for it. So it helps to prepare for it. And that's why I create this show. And there are some challenges that you will be ready for. And you won't necessarily use the tools that you have. That happens when you believe you know what to do, but you choose not to do it whether to keep the peace or just to avoid the conflict for whatever reason you choose not to do it. Maybe it's going to cause more problems down the road and you just choose to avoid it. I still love the idea of making the decision to do what is most empowering to you. I love the idea of doing what's empowering to you. In fact, most if not all of my decisions in life, especially when it comes to any type of challenging person that comes along or challenging situation, is to ask myself, what is the most empowering decision or thing to say in this moment? 
And that's how I get through almost any moment. And it's not easy. In fact, it's probably some of the most difficult decisions I've made in my life because I really want to keep certain relationships in my life, but sometimes I can't. Sometimes you won't be able to keep certain relationships in your life when you do the empowering thing because empowerment doesn't always fit in other people's model of the world or model of reality or at least your empowerment doesn't fit in their world and because of that you're going to make decisions that are right for you and your decisions are are also right for those you love and those who love you because those who love you will support you wanting to be happy and making decisions that are right for you but if it doesn't fit in their model of the world and their model of the world is to control you or make you do things that you don't accept or don't like then you're probably going to make decisions that they don't like and we know with certain people when you make decisions that other people don't like they're not going to take it nicely they're not going to be very receptive to your decisions. So this is why we have to be mentally and emotionally prepared for when people don't like or accept our decisions, our behavior, because when we know that we're doing things for our greater good and for the greater good at large in our family, our job, everything that you do should be an empowering decision and I look at it as an increase in your power or a decrease in your power. A good example is when I had to face my stepfather for the first time and defy him. Defy might be a strong word but it was the first time I resisted submitting to who I believed he was and that means that I believed he was a powerful person in my life and in reality he was a very weak person and a very abusive person, but not necessarily somebody that I should be afraid of, especially as an adult, being taller and younger and more fit than him. And he was an abusive alcoholic in my family. And that trauma in my upbringing I took with me and kept the fear about his behavior because when I was young, I didn't have the capacity to protect myself if it ever got bad. What happens when you take trauma into your adult world as an older person can now defend themselves, you remember that old trauma and it becomes PTSD today. Post-traumatic stress disorder, in other words, the trauma that happened before is still with you. So when the person that uh, was the major cause of that trauma still exists in your life, then their existence in your life recreates the trauma in you and you never let it go. It's like the trauma never ended. Even if the hurtful behavior ended, they can still be a trigger for that hurtful behavior. And other people can be a trigger for the old trauma that you might still be carrying with you. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I wanted to bring this up because when you carry around these emotional triggers and these old traumas that may or may not exist anymore, then what you're doing is you're often responding or reacting from a place of disempowerment. You're responding from a place of dysfunction because it's hardly functional to make decisions from a place of fear or dysfunction. 
and uh, I test this all the time. I test making decisions from fear versus making decisions based on what I believe I should do. And that is scary. Like I said before, it is very scary to make decisions that are right for you, that empower you. So wrapping up what I'm talking about in this first segment, it is important to remember that every time you say something, that you do something, every time you decide something, every action you take in your life either increases your power or decreases it or has no effect at all. I mean, I just can't put it in those two categories. It may not have an effect at all. It's not just a binary this or that decision. But a lot of the decisions you make are either empowering or disempowering. And it's very good to see it that way so that you're always making the decisions that are right for you. So if you remember a time where things didn't work out so great and you think to yourself, well, I could have made a different decision then, but I didn't. A, why didn't you make a different decision? And B, if you had no fear of the consequences, what decision would you have made? And this leads me to my final point of this segment, because the decision that you would have made if you had no fear of the consequences is almost always the empowering decision. It is almost always the plus one instead of the minus one, you know, like scorekeeping. Every time you give yourself a plus one for empowerment, you increase your level, like a video game. You're increasing your level of empowerment every time you make a decision that's right for you makes you feel good about yourself, is in alignment with your values, is in alignment with your character, your integrity, and doesn't come from a place of fear. You can still have fear when you make the decision. I have fearful decisions all the time. <laughs> That's a generalization. It's an overgeneralization. But I do feel fear during certain decisions like, oh my God, this is a big decision. What do I do? And then I ask myself, okay, if I had no fear of the consequences, what decision would I make? And is that decision in alignment with my values, my integrity, and my character? And is it coming from a place of love for myself? Or is it coming from a place of fear of what might happen? I think all of those questions wrap up my decision-making process every time. And you can still feel the fear and make the right decision. Making the right decisions typically is a fearful process, but it shouldn't come from old fear. It shouldn't come from old trauma. It shouldn't come from the fear of the consequences. It should come from an empowering place, making decisions that you know are the right ones to make that will give you the plus one, will continue to level up your empowerment, which makes life easier later on. <laughs> it's not immediate because the hard decisions usually uh, knock you down a notch or two, but you are able to pick yourself back up and from that point on, certain things don't happen anymore. That one toxic person is no longer toxic or no longer in your life, or even if they are toxic, you have learned how to honor your boundaries with them and how to thwart their efforts at trying to radiate you with their toxicity. Or that one toxic situation isn't toxic anymore because you left it, you left a job, you left a relationship, or you changed the rules. Sometimes you have to change the rules. Sometimes you have to make your boundaries known so well that people will feel the accountability to the point where they know they better behave better. I mean, it always comes down to people or situations. You're always 
working on your empowerment around people and situations. There are other things too. There's yourself. Sometimes your self-talk is very disempowering. That's another episode for another day, and I've talked about that in the past, the inner dialogue stuff. But it's good to keep these things in mind as you go forward in life because, like I said, life gets easier when you're making the right decisions for you because the amount of toxicity, the amount of problem in your life decreases every time you make the empowering choice. Thanks again for tuning in. We're not done yet. We're going to go to our next segment, and I want to teach you something about procrastination. It's in the ad about the Great Courses Plus I'm going to talk to you about in a minute, but I I really want you to listen to that because I, I actually learned something really cool about procrastination. So if you are a procrastinator, and many of us are, not all the time, but many of us are, if you're a procrastinator, there is a pretty cool trick I want to teach you that I learned in one of the courses. And uh, I'll tell you that in a minute. Be right back. Like I said, I want to teach you a little trick that I learned in a course called Outsmart Yourself, Brain-Based Strategies to a Better You. The second lecture in the course is called Beat Procrastination by Doing Nothing. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you real quick how to beat procrastination. One, sit quietly for 15 to 20 minutes and think about what you're going to do. That's it. I mean, we often do things to avoid what we need to do. That's procrastination. So sitting quietly and thinking about what you're going to do sounds counterintuitive. But what happens is it breaks the cycle of delay. It gives you a resting period. And even though it sounds like procrastination, what ends up happening is that you end up, and this is my words, balancing your day a little bit. Because if you're procrastinating and trying to delay doing something that you need to do, and before you have to do it, you actually take a break and do nothing, you're going to have more motivation to do it. And it's interesting. They go into how much motivation it takes and how too much motivation is a problem. Just into this one lecture of many lectures in this one course. So this is all in the Great Courses Plus. You hear me talk about it on other episodes as well. And I love endorsing the Great Courses Plus because what they offer is so high quality. They have brilliant professors and experts and teachers teaching their stuff, anything from the psychology of performance to woodworking to baking bread and all kinds of stuff. So I I really want you to check them out and you can check them out for a whole month for free by going to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. And uh, you can just watch as many as you want to watch or just watch parts of one thing and parts of another. I want you to make this year your year to learn with purpose. Because when you're learning with purpose, you just do better. And the courses on the Great Courses Plus give you endless opportunities to learn. I mean, there's so much they offer. If you think about it, they probably offer it. Head over to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. Get your free month and also download their app. They have a great app called The Great Courses Plus, of course. And uh, it works just like a streaming service. You can stream their videos or even the audio. If you can't watch them, you can just listen to the audio using their app. And uh, whether you want to take a deep dive into something or just learn a little bit of everything. I love it. I know you're going to love it too. Make 2021 your year. 
head over to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain, sign up, get your free month of unlimited access, and check out what they have to offer today. I hope you got something from that tip on procrastination, but if you didn't and it's a problem in your life and you just can't get rid of it or you're dealing with stress or anxiety or you're having relationship issues or any of the other 9 million things that us humans deal with all the time and you just can't get to that point where you're past it, BetterHelp offers solutions. I've heard so much good feedback from listeners of this show. They write to me and they say, hey, look, I'm on BetterHelp. I love it. Thank you so much for telling me about it. I didn't know about it. It is convenient, professional, affordable, that is safe and private in an online environment, either in their chat system, on the phone, or on video conference. You don't have to leave the sanctuary of your home or your car or wherever. I've heard nothing but good things when somebody says, I feel so safe being able to share what's going on in my life when there's something separating us, like they have this safety boundary of a screen or a phone or email or something like that. And I just hear that over and over again. So that's why I share services like this, BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P.com. And if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain, they'll give you 10% off your first month. Again, if you are dealing with any emotional issues, any challenges in your life, check them out at betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Speaking of empowered responses, I'm going to read you an email and I'm going to remember to reply to this email in a way that helps this person respond to the situations they're dealing with uh, from an empowered place instead of a place of fear. I actually haven't gone through this email, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, This person says, Dear Paul, I have a deep-rooted need for everyone around me to be happy. If my family is unhappy, especially my parents, I am so anxious. I can't seem to rest until I find a way to make them smile or laugh. I hate for anyone to be mad at me or for a family member to be mad at another family member. I want peace between everyone. I'm sure you can guess there was rarely peace in my family growing up. There were huge arguments and fights, yelling and screaming, and worse, silent treatments, passive-aggressive comments, and actions. I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. My dad always said that I was the peacemaker in the family because I'd always try to intercede for my siblings and parents. He was proud of me for that, but he never knew my reasons were most often selfish. My peacemaking was self-serving because I needed them to be happy so that my anxiety would go away. Now as an adult, I have realized some of the reasons for this anxiety, but I can't seem to get over that need for peace. I still get anxious over the smallest negative comment toward me or about another family member, and I'll obsess over it. The only change in my process is that I don't follow through with my urges to make peace. But I'm left obsessing with no outlet, which makes me more and more angry. I realized a few months before finding your podcast that I have some serious self-worth issues. I really benefited from hearing you talk about honoring yourself, and I wept through your episode called When Your Parent Doesn't Make You Feel Worthy. I know I am a people pleaser, and my need for peace is directly associated with that. I've done much better at speaking up about things that I like and want, but when I do honor myself... It offends specific family members. They respond with manipulative comments trying to make me conform to their opinions and ways of living. Those comments send my stomach in knots, and then I get angry. 
I found myself growing more and more bitter at my loved ones. And when it comes to the more difficult family members, I imagine what life would be like when they're gone. I feel a sense of relief, and I feel awful for imagining such a thing. It's obvious that those thoughts are a need for distance between me and the offenders. My husband and I are his grandfather's caregivers, so we can't physically or financially leave at this time. On the other hand, I love my family and I don't want to leave. I'd rather just step up and be myself without caring how they feel about it. You've said this before. When you honor yourself, more people will respect you for it. I do believe this, but I don't see much fruit from my experience yet. How do I let go of that need for peace and not get angry at them when they push back? And if I do get angry, how do I stop obsessing and move on? I love your show and I appreciate your openness and wisdom. Thank you. Okay, I read you the whole thing. It was really long, but I wanted to read the entire thing because it's very packed. And first of all, thank you so much for writing this. Thank you for sharing what's going on in your life. I get a lot of emails. This one has been sitting in my inbox for quite a long time. I read them on the air because a lot of people can relate to a lot of what you're going through. And so I read this in its entirety because I know there's a lot of people out there that can relate to this. Uh, Yes, you have named things that are probably absolutely true, like your self-worth issues. And honoring yourself makes people angry. And uh, you have toxic family members, so you became the peacemaker. I, I wonder if you're a middle child. That was my upbringing. I was a middle child, so I was the neutral person. I was the peacemaker myself and certainly the people pleaser. I'm not going to go into people pleasing because I've talked about that many times on many episodes. Just go to my website, The Overwhelmed Brain, and look up uh, pleasing or people pleasing in the search bar and you will find a lot of episodes where I talk about that. I'm also not going to talk about uh, boundaries necessarily. I will get into it a little bit uh, because I talk about that in other episodes as well. And I'm definitely probably not going to talk about obsessive thoughts because you can search for that on my website as well. So yes, uh, my answer is look over here (laughs) and look over there and you'll find some answers. But let's get into some of the meat of what you're asking or what you're trying to overcome here, which is other people getting mad at you, you wanting to honor yourself and stand up for yourself, which you are doing it sounds like, but then they're angry or they become more toxic or they just become a thorn in your side As I've said before, and I think I just said in the last segment too, uh, when you honor yourself, when you stand up for what's right in you, when you are lined up and you give the empowered response, you will not make everyone happy. And because of that, it might have an effect on a current dysfunction, i.e. perhaps your people pleasing. So if you are a people pleaser, the question is why? Why are you a people pleaser? Okay, so we can look at your past and say, well, when I people pleased, other people around me uh, were calmer. And like you said in your email, it lowered my anxiety. So now I like to dive deeper into why you are anxious when people around you are not calm. That could be a stupid question, but that's my specialty. I love asking stupid questions. Why are you anxious when people aren't calm? I'm exaggerating a little bit. Why? Why? Why are you anxious when people aren't calm? Why are you anxious when they're upset? What will happen to you if they're not calm? Because if you can answer what will happen to you, then we can explore that. Let's just say that 
I don't like when people aren't calm around me, whatever that means, whether they're angry or yelling or they're doing some other behavior that you don't like. I feel threatened. Okay, let's just go with that. How do you feel threatened? What about their behavior is threatening to you? Because remember, sometimes we carry old responses, childhood responses from when we were young and had less power into our adult world. And now we respond to the adult world from the child that we once were. But PTSD keeps our childhood responses alive and unwell in our life today. So the PTSD kicks in and the trauma reappears and we respond from that child belief system and that child perception. So let me ask you, are you responding to the world from the child that you once were? And you know, that's the inner child. That's our response system, our reaction system, especially when we feel fear. Uh, When there's fear, where did that come from? And I love asking this question, when did it start? Some people say it started uh, as long ago as I can remember. Ever since I was born, it started. Maybe the toxicity was in your family the whole time. And as far back as as you can remember, the toxicity was there and you felt fear of some sort. Or your anxiety kicked in because you felt fear. Or whatever order it came in. But there was a point when your fear, your anxiety started. And the question is, why did you feel it then? Why did you feel traumatized back then? You know, the trauma that's popping up today, the PTSD that you might feel, the emotional triggers that are being engaged. When did it start and why did you feel that way then? Your answer might be, and I'm just throwing this out there, uh, I thought I was going to get hurt. I thought I was going to experience suffering or pain. Or maybe I didn't know what was going to happen and I was just too afraid to find out. That could be true as well. But I I need you to make sure that you are diving into the exact reason and what exactly will happen, not what you imagine will happen. I want you to really dive into the reason that you feel anxiety when people aren't calm around you. I know the answers are obvious. Well, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want them to yell. Now, you did imply in your email or you said it that you want to be liked. You want to be the peacemaker, and being the peacemaker uh, probably brings you love and connection, at least the way you're perceiving it. And when you feel liked, you feel calm. When you think no one's mad at you, you feel calm. So there's a lot of variables here that help you to enable yourself to be the people pleaser and the peacemaker. But I would ask you to make sure Make 100% sure you know the specific reason you get anxious because a lot of times we imagine something happening that really isn't going to happen. If you told me I'm afraid of getting yelled at or I'm afraid that they'll be mad at me, I would ask you to dive in further and say what specifically about them yelling at you or being mad at you is a problem. I think that's a very good question to ask yourself. I'm taking you down a road that asks for specifics. And you can't guess. You have to know. You have to know. 
Paul, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm this way. Well, then, if you don't know, which a lot of people don't, just because I said that you have to know doesn't mean you do know. If you don't know, then make something up that seems like it would be true. And you might say, well, I don't know, but what might happen is they get so angry at me that they hit me. Now, maybe you'll say that. Maybe you won't. I think in most cases, unless there's physical abuse already present, that somebody's probably not going to hit you unless you got some old trauma. If you had some old childhood abuse, physical abuse trauma still lingering around inside of you and it comes up in certain circumstances today or all circumstances today, then you have to ask yourself if you are still responding from that child's belief system or perception. Because if you are... Where is the adult? And I mean in you. Where is the adult in you? I'm purposefully challenging you. I'm purposefully asking you to parent yourself. I'm purposefully putting you in a position that I know will probably be full of fear because if you show up as the adult, you may do things that might anger people. And you might say things that people disagree with. So where is the adult in those moments? Now, I understand in your letter you said, I am starting to do that. I am honoring myself. I get this. And you don't have to explain it to me. I get it. But I still have the fear and I still have people upset with me. And uh, it makes life a little harder. When does life get easier? Like in the last segment, you know, life gets easier later on. When does life get easier? Here's the thing. When you honor yourself around toxic people, what happens at first, because the toxic people have been a thorn in your side for so long, they're not going to back down the first or the second or the third time. They might, but don't expect them to back down. Don't expect them to suddenly treat you nicely because they've been this way probably all your life. Those people have been the way they are all your life. So if you suddenly come up with an empowered response and it throws them off for a little bit, they might be jostled in that moment, but they don't know how to respond to your empowered response. They don't understand what's happening. It's a pattern interrupt for them, and they're trying to figure out what to do next. They don't have a resource for that. They don't have a resource in their brain that says, hey, when so-and-so acts empowered or when they make a decision that's right for them, this is how I respond. They don't know how to do that. And because they don't know how to do that, what's going to happen is that they're going to go to their default behavior either in the moment or again in the future. And this is the problem typically is they return to their default behavior, which is once again toxic. But why do they do that? Why do people return to their default behavior when you've been empowered? I mean, you've heard it on this show. You've probably learned it somewhere else. Or maybe you knew this coming into this episode. When I have an empowered response and they return to their default behavior, they return to their default behavior because they have no resource from which to draw. They have no idea how else to respond to someone who is honoring themselves. So they just go right back to their status quo their modus operandi. And once they do that, the first time after you've honored yourself, 
and you don't honor yourself again, what ends up happening is that you inadvertently enable them to do it again. So you honor yourself once, they step back a moment because their pattern is interrupted, then either in the moment or later on, they go back to their default behavior, and at this point you're either going to honor yourself again, giving them an opportunity to find a different response, or you're not, you're going to avoid it, you're going to say, oh, there they go again, I'm just going to avoid it this time. And what ends up happening is because there's no accountability on that second time, they go back to their default response. That's how I used to operate, actually. I would honor myself once because I reached a breaking point. And then I would actually go to the person that I honored myself with and apologize to them. I felt bad that I drew a line, so I apologized to them. And guess what? I gave away my power in that moment. My apology for stopping them in their tracks and drawing the line with them, creating that boundary, relinquished my power. It gave it back to them. It gave them a plus one and me a minus one. And you just have to watch these plus ones and minus ones so that you're always in abundance and not deficit. If you're in deficit of all these ones... (laughs) probably a bad way to look at it, but I think about it this way. I think about how it keeps adding up. Everything that I do from an empowered place keeps adding to my power. But when I do things from a disempowered place or a place of fear, it takes away from my power. So I like to look at things this way. The person who wrote to me, you're telling me that you are stepping into your power and honoring yourself, but then people get angry at you. And you don't like that. You don't like when people are angry at you. Why don't you like when people are angry at you? There's another thing to explore. I mean, everything that you don't like, I want you to explore and get specific. Well, if they're angry at me, then I feel like I'm not lovable. I feel like I'm unworthy. I'm going to throw that assumption out there because you talked about self-worth. I have episodes on self-worth too. You can check those out. But when you think about not feeling worthy... Is it the adult that doesn't feel worthy or the child inside? The one that's still inside you responding to the world. Because if it's the child, I'm going to give you psychology 101 here. You have to love that child. You have to honor that child. You have to be the adult for that child so that you can heal that child. You need to let that child know you got this. You're the adult and you're going to take care of that child. No matter what's going on, you're going to step in. You don't have to please anyone else but that child. That's the one you need to make feel safe. Because when you're in fear, that child is alone. That child is scared. That child might be angry. That child might be hurt. That child might be suffering. And you know this may take professional help. You may have to talk to a professional about this. But right now... What is your child feeling? Because that is the person responding to the world from a disempowered place. And when a child is disempowered, how do you empower them? Let's just say it's not you. Let's just say it's another child outside of you. How would you empower that child? What would you do? What would you say to them? Think about all the things that you do or say to that child to empower them, to make them feel better. If they're afraid... What are you going to say? What are you going to do? I know if I saw a child that was 
alone and scared and was looking around for maybe his or her parents or didn't know what to do, felt lost, I'd probably go up to that child and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you crying? Why are you afraid? What are you looking for? Are you, are you okay? And that child's going to talk to me. That child's going to tell me what's going on. And I guarantee you that no matter what that child says, I'm going to do everything I can to help. I'm going to do everything I can to help that child. They said what to you? They hurt you? But you're so wonderful and you don't deserve that. You deserve love. You deserve a hug. You deserve to be cared for. You deserve to be supported. You are so wonderful. You are amazing. You are the most precious thing I've ever seen. You are so worthy of love. You are so important. And I'm going to do anything I can to help you. That's what I'd say. And if you apply that to your inner child, if you apply that to yourself, wow, you look in the mirror differently after that. You feel differently about yourself. I mean, it takes work. It takes a lot of effort to connect with yourself like that. And some people feel silly doing it. I get it. (laughs) I'm a full-grown adult, and here I am talking to this little child inside of me that I don't even think exists or whatever. I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk to themselves like that, but maybe a lot of people do. Maybe I'm mistaken there, but I do believe that it's very important to understand that when we have disempowered responses or feelings and we feel fear and we feel anger or we feel afraid that somebody might not love us or somebody might even hate us, that we need to remind ourselves, our little selves, how wonderful we are because you are. You are wonderful. You are an amazing little child and you are an amazing adult. And you just need to be reminded of that so that when anyone comes along and they don't see you as that and they call you names or they put you down or they insult you, they offend you, that you remind yourself that that's not who you are and that they're wrong about you. They're wrong. And people are going to be angry at you and people are going to hate you. I can't believe people hate me. (laughs) People hate me. But you get over it because you realize their hate, their anger is their stuff. It's their own stuff. They have to deal with it. If they're putting anger and hate out into the world, they have that in them. And if you are around people that push that onto you, then they don't want to deal with their hate and anger. They want you to deal with their hate and anger, and they make it about you. But it's not about you. It's about them. I don't think we're born to hate others. I think we're born to connect with others and be loving and caring and supportive toward others. But when we're not and we're hurtful and hateful, that's in them. That's something that they have to deal with and heal from so that they have a better life, so that they're happier, so that they have better connections and loving relationships. But you have to realize that their stuff is not about you. And again, that's Psychology 101, and I know it's easy to say, but how do you believe it? How do you implement it in your life? You do have to deal with the self-worth stuff, absolutely, and you just have to know that these people have issues that they need to deal with, and by you showing up as being confident in yourself, as yourself, comfortable in your own skin, that when they try to penetrate your boundaries or put you down, They may succeed. It still may hurt. 
but you have to know yourself so well and know that you are worthy that when they say things that are hurtful, you imagine them looking in the mirror. And that can be helpful. Make that symbolism. Oh, they're looking in the mirror because they're saying things that are hurtful and hateful. That's not about me. That's about them. Again, it's easier to say than to implement because I've been in the position where I used to be the people pleaser and I hated being hated. I hated when people were angry with me or if they were upset with me in any way, I needed to change their mind. And the day I started honoring myself, that changed. I realized that when I started drawing the line that I was weeding out the people that didn't care about me. And that's hard to say because I know there are people that care about me and they're still upset at me. But what I'm doing is weeding out the people that are more self-centered, more selfish than they are caring and loving and supportive for me. They are more fearful of changing their own behavior than accepting how I want to be treated. Period. That's it. They are more fearful of changing their own behavior than accepting how I want to be treated. And that's because they don't have the resources. They don't know how to act differently. And the only way they're going to learn is when you show up saying, this is my boundary, you just crossed it, and I don't want you to do it again, because if you do it again, there's going to be accountability. And you name that accountability. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you say, don't ever cross it again. Again, period. (laughs) That's it. You just say, this is how I want to be treated, and that's it. And if they say, well, you're just being a jerk. I can't believe you're being so difficult. This is all your fault. You should treat me nicely. Don't stray off topic. Just stay on topic and say, all I'm asking is this. All I'm asking is that you treat me with kindness and respect, and I will do the same for you. Well, you don't do the same for me. You always treat me badly. And if that's what they say, if they continue going that direction, you just say, you know what? I love you. I want you in my life. And I'm happy to talk about this if you'd like, but if you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to treat me with kindness and respect like I'm treating you right now, then I'll understand your decision. Because a lot of people are going to act like that. They're going to feel uh, threatened that they can't do their toxic behavior anymore. And the threat is there because they don't know how to act any other way. What we have to do as empowered people is show them what behavior is acceptable or not. And that sounds kind of condescending, but toxic behavior in your life needs to stop. And sometimes the only way to stop it is by drawing the line, but being very clear about it. Don't do this again. This is how I want to be treated. Don't do this again. I'm not saying you have to say those words, but you just be clear. You don't want to be unclear. You don't want to be passive aggressive. You don't want to be silent. I mean, you may be silent because sometimes, like I say on my other show, Love and Abuse, you have to pick your battles wisely. You don't want to pick your battles with people that you know will hurt you. And I mean really hurt, not just imagined hurt. If you know they'll hurt you, then you may not want to pick your battles with them. But then I ask, why are you associating with them? Why are you talking to them? And yeah, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to keep them in your life for one reason or another, but limit contact as much as possible. But for the most part, with a lot of people in our lives, when you honor yourself, yes, you're going to make people upset. You're going to make people angry. But the main reason for that is because they don't know how to act. And when you show up honoring yourself with love for them, always by saying things like, you know, this is how I want to be treated. I love you and I want you to treat me this way. And that would be great. You're just very clear and very clear about the behavior that you expect. And when they don't honor that, then maybe you shouldn't care that 
people who don't honor you are angry at you. Because why are they angry at you? They're angry at you because you won't be exactly as they want you to be. You won't do what they want you to do. You don't let them control you. So reframe how you think about someone's anger. If someone's angry at you for honoring yourself, then do they really care about you? Or are they just being selfish? Selfish people don't have any other resources, so I'll give them that. It is harder for selfish people to change. But that's why empowered people can be their teachers. And I'm not saying that you're superior. I'm not saying that you're superior to anyone. I'm not superior to anyone. But I know how to honor myself, and I know how I want to be treated. And I think that's how everyone should walk around. Even if a toxic person says, you know what, I don't want you to treat me this way anymore, ever. You should honor that. Even if you disagree with it, you should honor that. And if they're telling you to do something that's outside your values or not in alignment with your character or your integrity or is immoral or unethical or just makes you feel bad, then you may have to break contact with them. You may not be able to abide by their boundaries. That can happen too. Some people can't abide by other people's boundaries. But when that happens, I don't think they should be in proximity of each other. I think that sometimes you just have to go your separate ways because you just can't meet in the middle. So I don't know if I have answered your questions. I hope this helps with what you're going through. And I do hope that you are able to deal with the situation that you're in. I know it's challenging. And at the same time, I know you can do this. You have already started it. You just have to know that people are going to be upset. The more you honor yourself, the more you take care of yourself, the people that used to control you will be upset that they can't control you anymore. And I don't mean they control everything you do, but a lot of people find ways to control you because they want you to be a certain way around them. They want you to behave a certain way around them. And when you're not acting and being a certain way around them, they make your life hard. And it's not fair. Nobody wants to be controlled. I just said that in a Facebook post recently. People hate being controlled. And toxic people love to control people. As soon as you choose not to be controlled by a toxic person anymore, your life changes. And the long-term effect of that, it may not happen in the short term, but the long-term effect of that is that the toxicity dissipates from your life. You want to deal with toxic people with grace and ease? This is a big one. (laughs) You honor yourself, knowing it's going to be difficult in the short run, and realizing how much easier your life is going to be in the long run. But the long run, yes, it is called the long run for a reason because some people need multiple instances of accountability for them to finally go, oh, so you really don't want me to talk to you like that. Now I get it. They won't say that. (laughs) They won't think that. They may be upset that they have to do something differently, but they'll get it. They'll eventually get it. And if they don't get it, then limiting contact with them may be the only choice. And when you can't do that, you just have to stop the emotional investment. You just have to cut it. You know, some people aren't worth the emotional investment. Again, I hope this helps. Thanks so much for writing and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. We'll be right back with my thank yous and goodbyes right after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our sponsors, The Great Courses Plus. Head over to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and get your free month of their entire library of courses. So much value there. And head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain when you want to deal with the psychological, mental, or emotional challenges of every day. <laughs> like everything I talk about on the show. Everything seems like a challenge, but every challenge you overcome, every challenge that you get past is an opportunity to empower you and make you stronger next time. So it's not as big as a challenge next time. That's always the best case scenario. And I also want to thank our financial backers of the show. The patrons of the week are Angel, Holly, Zachary. Zachary is a yearly contributor, so I only see his name once a year. <laughs> so sorry, Zach, I don't read your name more often, but I know you're out there. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. David and Leslie and Jamie and Jessica, you're brand new. Thank you so much for hopping on board. Thank you for your financial support. I appreciate you. Angela, Michelle, Jason, you're also new again. Thank you so much. I am grateful for everyone on this list. James and Kay, I think I got them all now. Julie sent a donation. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate you. Thank you for your kindness and your generosity and your support. Everyone in the patron program, everyone that donates, I love to thank them on the air and show my gratitude because they deserve it. And everyone deserves gratitude, of course. I am grateful for you for listening, and I'm grateful to everyone that leaves reviews of the show. Very grateful, and there's all kinds of ways you can support, and I appreciate everyone that does that. Thank you again, patrons, and Julie, I appreciate your donation. And if you find value in this show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com, and you can choose to give a single donation or monthly. And if you are a monthly contributor in the patron program, I give back with private episodes, worksheets, and a video archive. So check it out over at moretob.com. And I quickly mentioned that Love and Abuse, this is the other podcast that I do. Love and Abuse will help you to determine if you are in an emotionally abusive relationship. Whether it's romantic, platonic, or family, or work, if you leave many conversations feeling bad, find out if you're being emotionally abused by checking out Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And to close the show, I'm going to comment on one more thing that person said in her email. I think it was a horror. She said that uh, she keeps getting more and more bitter at people that aren't listening to her or honoring her boundaries. And uh, she doesn't like that. She doesn't like feeling bitter at people. And uh, one thing I've learned over the years is that when you express your boundaries and people still violate them, it is easy to get angry with them, yes. But it is also easy to break it down to a simple rule. That rule is how I define boundaries in the first place. What will I accept and what won't I accept? I mean, that is the basic premise of boundaries. What do you accept and what don't you accept? Or what will you not accept in your life? Because once you set that up, once you say, this is what I'll accept for someone's behavior, for example, and this is what I won't accept for someone's behavior, for example, then every time they behave in a certain way, you can ask yourself, is that acceptable behavior? Because if it's not, you break it down into pure logic. That's all it is. You break it down into logic. Hmm, they're being a jerk. That's not acceptable behavior. So... I'm going to walk away or I'm going to say, sorry, that's not acceptable behavior. And then I'm going to move on. Again, it's easy to say, 
but doing it and trying to hold back your emotions about it, it is hard. And sometimes you may need to get angry. Sometimes you may need to feel bitter, but this is where a fuller expression is helpful. For example, someone violates your boundaries, it makes you angry, and you're just fuming and you don't know what to do. So you hold on to that anger and every time they violate your boundaries, no matter what, you're still bitter, you're still angry, and you feel like it's not going anywhere. Well, A, have you made it clear? Have you spelled it out for them what the boundary is so that they don't violate it? B, do they understand? I mean, that may be the question. Does it make sense what I just said, that you are violating this boundary of mine and it hurts me when you do it? And that is C, actually. Do you realize that when you do it, it hurts me? So is it clear? Do they understand? And do they know it hurts you? The C part is the most important part because if they know it hurts you and they still violate your boundary, then it's a lot easier to write them off. Because why would you want someone in your life that continues to hurt you when you've made it clear what behavior hurts you and they still do it? I'm not saying it's easy to write them off. I'm just saying it's easier to write them off. And write them off is probably not the best term, but it's easier to uh, get past the anger and tell yourself, whoa, this person really is bad news. I can't get through to them. Um, Anger usually comes from a place of they should know better and I wish they would treat me better and why aren't they treating me better? But you get past all that when you realize they either don't care or they're incapable. And once you put them in that category, there's nothing more you can do. There's no more hope. There's no more wishing that they change because you finally accept that they cannot And that is so empowering when you accept that someone cannot change when you've gotten to that point, there's a plus one for empowerment because accepting they cannot change helps you stop wasting time and energy hoping they'll act differently. That's usually why we get angry. We just hope and pray and wish that somebody changes their behavior and someone acts differently. But if you've gone through the ABC, have you been clear? Do they understand? and do they realize it hurts you, and they still do the behavior, then you're beyond teaching them how to treat you. You're beyond it. It, There's nothing you can do about it. They are past help. And that sounds awful from someone who used to call themselves an empowerment coach. (laughs) They are beyond help. That doesn't mean they really are beyond help. It just means that when you label them as beyond help in your life, you can get past the anger, move beyond it, understand that they are unhelpable and just move on that doesn't mean they'll never be able to heal from that or move to another level with that but you do have to make hard decisions sometimes that label people so that you can stop spending so much time or stop wasting so much time thinking about them and hoping they'll change that is such a time waster if you can get to a point where you can just stop thinking about them, hoping they'll change, wishing they'll change, praying they'll change, then you can move on with your life. You just put them in a category. You put them in a box. And the great thing about that is it allows you to move on. And if they do change, bonus. (laughs) If they go to therapy, if they get help, if they have an enlightening moment, if they finally realize how they're damaging or ruining the relationship and they decide to change, 
that is a bonus. They come and say, I'm so sorry, I was treating you badly and I realize it now. Will you accept my apology? Can we talk about it? That would be phenomenal. And yes, of course, you'll probably open your heart because that's the relationship you want with them. So either way, it's a bonus. When you label someone, I know we're told not to label people, but if you label someone like that and you make that concrete in your mind and you just accept it as fact, whether it's fact or not, you just accept it as fact so that you can move on, stop wasting time, hoping that they'll feel bad that they're hurting you and all that, then moving on protects your emotions and also gives them an opportunity to grow. Because once you disconnect from them or put them in that category, they have an opportunity to grow. A lot of people don't have an opportunity to grow when you continue to be the stimuli for their toxic behavior. Not that it's your fault, not that you're necessarily responsible, but when you're in the formula of a hurtful relationship where you're the victim, the victimizer or perpetrator needs a victim to operate. You take the victim out of the equation, the perpetrator has no one to get feedback from and no one to hurt or be toxic to, so they need to figure out their next step. And that is the opportunity for the perpetrator to hopefully realize that maybe they are the common denominator for everything bad that happens in their life. And if they get to that point, they might finally take responsibility and realize that they need to change something in order to have healthy, productive, happier relationships. It doesn't often happen when they're in the relationship. It does have an opportunity to happen when you're out of the relationship. That doesn't mean every relationship has to break up or separate because sometimes the accountability is enough for the perpetrator to realize, oh, so when I do this behavior, you don't like it and you shut me out, so I won't do that behavior again. That might actually lead to a more productive, happier relationship. But when they don't get it and you've been trying for months or years, it's time to do something different and that labeling and categorizing might be the only way to do it. Hope you can do something with that. (laughs) Take it with you. Hope this episode has been a big plus one in your life. I appreciate you. And just remember, always keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions, which will help you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.